This is a HeadGum Podcast. Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. They are incredible sheets. They're incredible bed sheets that were inspired by NASA. They use silver-infused fabrics and make temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature. And let me tell you a little something about myself. When I first moved to New York City, I essentially went to a corner bodega, bought a set of sheets that were made out of what felt like cardboard, and that's what I slept on for like years. I thought, I guess I thought I just wasn't even worth more or like, I just didn't even know that comfort was possible. And then I started like actually realizing like, oh, I don't have to live like this and buying actual sheets that made sense. And truly the temperature regulating property of these NASA inspired sheets by Miracle Made or like the apotheosis of adult living. Like you can live with comfort, with temperature regulating. The funny thing is I thought temperature regulating was just like something you had to just deal with your whole life. That There was no sheet that could help you with that. Your body just went through wild temperatures and that just, you know, sucked and you had to just deal with it. But you don't have to deal with it because you can get miracle made sheets. They're self-cooling for better sleep. They're also, this one's really fun and it's actually really important for my husband, they're self-cleaning because they're infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. And because of that, it's designed for your skin. So it stops the bacteria so it doesn't clog your pores and it doesn't cause as much, you know, breakouts and acne, which is a big problem for my husband. Since we started using Miracle Made, my husband has just had way less of the breakouts and the clogged pores. And like I said, they're just like, luxurious. Um, They're designed for a person who's graduating from the cardboard sheets of their youth. (laughs) Graduate from those, you guys. So go to try miracle.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's T-R-Y, try miracle, M-I-R-A-C-L-E dot com slash fake the nation. And at the checkout, use the promo code fake the nation and you'll get three free towels and you'll save an extra 20%. And Miracle's so confident in their product that it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you're going to get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. And thanks so much to Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. And thanks so much to Miracle Made for regulating my body temperature at night uh, with the sheets. I really love them. Fake the Nation, episode 266. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, we talk about that awkward thing where you say goodbye to someone but still walk in the same direction. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and what I do in those situations is I just keep talking. Uh, I keep talking well after they're gone so that my voice fades as they walk away. Um, That's just what I do. Today, we're going to talk about the census, we're going to talk about Texas, we're going to talk about the state of homophobia and hip-hop and pop culture, uh, and we're going to talk about the grocery store ethnic food aisle. Oh my god, today's panel, folks. Oh, what an incredible panel. 
Uh, you have heard her on their show before. You heard her all over NPR. She's absolutely an icon in the world of radio and in the world of the moth and in the world of stand-up. She just spans icondom in many genres. She's a new comedy album coming out very soon, so be on the lookout for that. And dates uh, all over the place where you can catch her live. It is the one and only Ophira Eisenberg. Hey, Ophira. Hello, Nagin. Thank oh, you. So good to see you. Good to see you too. Uh, and I also have to say that um, I saw a photo of of one of your orchids. Yes. And I uh, that you saved its life with a piece of tape. <laughs> And I was really impressed because I was given an orchid on the day of my daughter's birth. Uh-huh. And I was not able to save its life. And it's still, the, the, the pile of dirt that was an orchid is still sitting in my kitchen as if it's going to sprout an orchid one day. Okay, and it, well, it will I'm telling you right now, if there was dirt involved, then you and the orchid had no chance. So, but <laughs> just saying. and you know, to that end, look forward, everybody, because I am uh, I'm realizing there's orchid content needed in the world, and so I'm putting together a whole bunch of videos <laughs> that are dealing with your orchids and some jokes because orchids. Because you know, when I first started stand up, actually, uh-huh. someone said to me, uh, and I always thought about this about doing comedy, and they said, you know, when you do comedy, you can't be an orchid always waiting for the perfect conditions in order to bloom. You have to be a weed. <laughs> Which is true. It's true. Uh, uh, I think we could all say that, yeah, uh, from in, in entertainment in general. Uh, which brings me to our next panelist. Oh, my God. So excited to have her on the show for the very first time. You've seen her on RuPaul's Drag Race. You've seen her on the UK Drag Race. She has a sing- new single out called Love Like This, and I have been uh, bopping around the house to this tune. It is exactly up my alley. We're going to play it at the end of the show. Um, oh, you, she has a fantastic podcast with Bob the Drag Queen called uh, Sibling Rivalry, which is actually headlining the Life is Beautiful Festival in Las Vegas. Uh, she's just everywhere all the time as well she should because she's fantastic folks it is monet exchange hey monet oh my god hello nagin thank you for having me um i uh i'm so excited to have you on the show i like i truly have been um just like reveling to your song and then also <laughs> watching the video in which you are like gorgeously in like a caribbean waters i think yes uh, well you know i spent like i didn't eat bread for like two weeks i was like girl for this video we're gonna look real snatched and um i i like i was messing around and i was on instagram story when we were filming and i was like oh my god having such a great time in jamaica here for me filming the video but girl we were right up in Malibu we were right next to Cher just filming our little video having fun <laughs> well I was convinced and uh, and and you know the the bread the, the not eating bread if that's what it takes uh, to look like that then let me start right now um, alright folks uh, let us get into it uh, with topic number one Okay, so uh, I want to talk about the census today, but before we do that, (laughs) MIT's living wage calculator uh, that estimates the minimum income necessary for a single person to cover their living expenses in every state um, and stay above the poverty line without outside help, that's the metric, they just came out with this new living wage calculator. And so I just wanted to ask you guys a little quiz, a little pop quiz. What do you think is the most expensive place to live in America? San Francisco, hands down. No, well, okay, actually, let me let me revise that. It has to mm-hmm. be a state or oh. um 
you know, like a territory. Oh, I get, I get oh. what you're saying here. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> territory. Uh huh. <laughs> just to make sure we can say DC. Just in, yes, just to make it's sure. DC because wow. it is DC. Yeah. Oh, it is wow. in fact DC. Really? Yeah, I wow. know. I was surprised, but huh. I mean, look, uh, Monet, you're not wrong. California, as a state, is in the top four, right? It's like yeah, yeah. So DC, it takes forty one thousand eight hundred fifty dollars a year before taxes to live above the poverty line. What? Um, and then what are you doing in DC? What are you Girl. spending your money on? Gold blocks is what you need <laughs> to have in every apartment. It's like one of the requirements. So that's oh, the thing okay. with that DC that, that we didn't, sense. yeah, that you didn't know. Um, gotcha. the, the second most expensive state, I actually, is totally unsurprising, and yet I was surprised, is Hawaii. Uh, really, you know? Hawaii? You know, that's interesting because um, I have recently in the past year have been, been getting a lot of my news from TikTok, and I'm not ashamed to say so. And um, <laughs> this this one TikToker, she was saying uh, in, in the 1950s, maybe, her grandmother bought their house for about $25,000. Now, that right. same house is now valued at $1.8 million. And, you know, people are trying to get them to sell it, but she's like, you know, the native people of Hawaii, if, if, if they sell their homes, they literally cannot buy anything else because everything on the island's getting so in, in all the islands is getting so expensive so yeah. they're getting pushed out of their own homes it's so crazy gentrification yeah. uh, of uh, course you know inevitable yeah and also watch the show white lotus for more oh uh, on God. those on those things i've heard about this i haven't watched it yet <laughs> also, yeah there's a lot of like you know uh neo-colonialist um Got undergirding it. tones in the show Ugh. that you may enjoy okay. over here you were gonna say i was just gonna say and here's the darker sense i just imagine to hawaii you know being an island there's many islands but all being islands in the ocean and the climate <laughs> and they uh -huh. have volcanoes which you know i think most of them are inactive but there are a couple probably yeah. hard, probably pretty expensive to buy insurance i wonder if that's part of that calculator <laughs> oh yeah right yeah. i mean completely um but also well it's funny i will say one thing about hawaii is that uh i've been once and food truck culture, which mm. I don't, you know, when they're talking, you know, White Lotus didn't explore this. It was set in like <laughs> the Four Seasons and Kauai or something like that. But like food cut truck culture is like really amazing there. Like I had mm. some of the best ever meals at just like various food trucks. Anyway, that is neither here nor there, but it is um, a m mildly cheaper mm. way of eating like a really fantastic, uh, you know, well done meal. Mm -hmm. um, also has great food trucks. I love the food trucks in Portland. I love a food oh. truck. Yeah, I don't know what too. it is about me and a food truck, but I'm very just drawn to them. Uh, okay, so I, I was like, gonna say I like food mm -hmm. trucks too, but I just like food. So <laughs> wherever there is food, that might I'm be just involved. it. <laughs> right, right. It might be the food that's drawing me. To food. Where's New York on the list? Where's the New York? On oh, the right. List? That's a very good question. It's number three on the list. So it's okay. DC, oh. um, Hawaii. Uh, Cal no, sorry, it's number four. California, $38,823 a year. And New York is number four, 38719 So we're not wow. at that bad. Now, the, my next question is, what do you think is the cheapest state of the union? Ooh, the cheapest, yeah, cheapest state. state of the union. Um, I'm going to say, because of those darn potatoes, Idaho. Interesting. No. I'm uh, going to say, I don't know, Idaho. I'm doing a shot in the dark Yeah, here. please. <laughs> New Mexico. Incorrect. Okay. Um, it is South Dakota. 
Oh, I oh. swear I was going to say South Dakota. I know, I know. Everyone always says, I was going to say that. I literally was going to say South Dakota. <laughs> I, I forgot South Dakota existed. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, South Dakota. <laughs> uh, North Dakota. I b- looks like North Dakota's number two. Uh, Does anyone even live there? What? There is literally few, nothing in North Dakota. I per- I've performed once in South Dakota. Um, okay. I had a fantastic show, actually, in South Dakota. They were extremely happy to have me uh, have me there. That's where the Nagin Farsad fan base is. Little known fact <laughs> is uh, just in South Dakota, nowhere else. Um, okay, well, this is just a little entree to get us into the census. Um, so the, the official census figures came out, and we learned we're becoming a more urban and metropolitan nation. Uh, the Democratic metropolitan... Uh, areas are seeing new arrivals. They're like growing in size. Uh, the rural Republican heartland areas are steadily losing residents. So those are just a first couple of headlines from the census. Uh, were you surprised at all to hear about that? I mean, I, I'm I'm not surprised because, you know, there I remember we there was some book that we read in high school and uh, high school was so long ago. I, I don't remember, but it was basically it was this our, our teacher was very esoteric and she was not the most conventional type of teacher. But also, that we did. But in high school, books were called like history. You know what I mean? Books, right. Like, didn't right. have <laughs> right, true. Like, terribly memorable names. It would be right. History of America. And it was it was a book that was basically Explaining kind of what's happening now that as that that America like we're, like this whole this theory of like one race right there is going to be so like everyone will be just mixing and blending and soon uh, whiteness will dissipate a bit as we as we have come to know it so yeah. having hearing hearing these studies I mean I feel like we're right on track with that and I think that the more that we break down all of these barriers of race well try to at least and um dismantle all of those uh, uh, systemic um, uh, points of view that include some things of racism and things of that sort. I think that the more that we tr- that we break all that down, the more that we're just going to people like race is just going to flow and people just going to, you know, it's all just right. going to it's just going to be we're all just like a a vague color. You know right. You mean? know, you know, yeah, this is not shocking to me at all. Yeah, I, re- I remember uh, it must have been three years ago reading this article that was uh, I mean, I think it was almost written from an alarmist point of view, which was like in 40 years, white people are going to be a minority in America. Right. right, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was just laughing, going like, you know, it will, it will be the only culture that nobody will want to appropriate. <laughs> right no one's gonna be like that cardi b song needs more clarinet <laughs> <You know? laughs> but then i was also thinking as you know because the sentence is you know showing that if the trend continues as we're talking about that white people will be a minority and, and in a weird way white people being a minority will be the final act of appropriation that's hilarious is that a bit i love that i don't i think i don't know it's like i was just thinking about maybe i'll try it as a bit i feel like if i said that at standard comedy club there would be a lot of icy stares like i don't understand the words that's good that joke is gonna go over really well on like the anthropology like lecture (laughs) circuit you know what i mean you hold on to that for that. Yeah, there yeah, yeah. I think that'll go over really well in South Dakota. I yeah. really do. For <laughs> yeah, sure. for audience. Sure. Totally. Where my fans are. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, we so so um so Monet, you kind of talked about this a little bit, but you know, we also learned that Americans identify as multiracial and as the mom of a uh, of a black and Iranian baby. Um, I just want to say you're welcome. Like her <laughs> response on that census is part of a what here's here's the actual statistic. A whopping thirty-three point eight million people identified as being of two or more races. Wow. Um, and then here's what's crazy, up from nine million in two thousand ten. Like that's an insane Whoa. difference. Yeah. Um, while people who identify as white alone fell by eight point six percent. Um and then, and and one of the things that I thought was really interesting about this is part of the reason that number is so high compared to 2010 is because they revised the census. And I want to go ahead and credit myself for that revision, revision because I wrote about this in my book, How to Make White People Laugh, still available wherever books are sold. <laughs> Support your local independent bookstores. Um, but I talked about this like why. For years, did we not allow people to just specifically say what race and ethnicity they were? The li- the options were so limiting right. before. Yeah. I never yeah. knew. I never knew where to put myself because it didn't have my thing in there. And uh, now more, there's just more options, so pe- people can finally be specific about you know about what they are, uh, which is amazing. Um, and it's uh, it also between. Uh, 2010 and 2020, the nation's under 18 population registered an absolute decline of more than 1 million. Bitches aren't having as many babies. I'm about to say less kids running around. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, But by the way, can you guess what is the most childless major city in America? The most childless major city. Mm. Wow. Yeah, like the lowest under 18 population in America. I mean, I would have formally said New York City, whether that's wrong or right, but that has definitely changed. Yeah, I mean, there there are definitely less strollers in Park Slope. Like they before, I remember you couldn't throw a stone without hitting eighteen strollers walking through uh, Park Slope. Um, so I'm, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree. say, guys, it's not it's not New York. Okay, Ugh. New York is spitting them out. Wow, let's say let's say Portland. It is San Francisco. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, I was gonna be like so any place that's hard to stroll. Okay, ladies, go with me. And I know I said this before. I was literally gonna say San Francisco, but I decided not to. Because you said San Francisco last time, and you were wrong. It's like how many times can you write into San Francisco? Got shy about it. Um, Also, so this is I also found was really interesting. There's a place in Florida called the Villages, right? Where which is a retirement community, Mm -hmm. and it is officially the fastest growing metro area. Um, The Villages about forty five minutes drive from Orlando, the population Whoa. jumped from 93,000 residents to 130,000 residents. Um, so are older people I, having more yeah. children or are more older people going to the villages? <laughs> yeah, there are no children in the villages. Um, Got it. It's okay. a retirement community. Uh, that- you'll be surprised to learn, Ophira, it's very conservative. Um, <laughs> really? Wait a second. First, you're telling me that old people that are conservative. Opera. You're telling me old people are conservative. <laughs> the I perfect know, audience to workshop that debt. Yeah, workshop yeah, that yeah, joke. yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, well, it, it's what's fascinating too is just that 
People have been saying the boomer population, the boomer, they're aging, they're aging, they're aging. Uh, yes, they're aging. And places like the villages mm. shows that they're aging and that they need a place to go hang out that looks like a little town in which they don't have to interact with anyone unlike them. Um, and that's what's happening at the villages. Also, it also explains part of the reason Florida gets another congressional seat. Uh, so, oh, yeah. God. So now, I, so... Okay, so like the 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 top headline of these census is that um, it's decent news for Democrats, right? Because they're basically going to redraw all of our maps based on this census information, right? Um, however, Republicans still control the drawing of a majority of the of the census of the districts. So it's like in places, so for example, there were gains in population in Texas and then new seat in Texas. And a lot of those gains are going to be like for Democratic districts or whatever, but the Republicans still control drawing that map, right? So it's like (sighs) a, it's a mixed bag of the positive and negative, but I, but also it's going to be a little harder because there's so many more people in these metro areas it's going to be harder to draw a crazy salamander-looking uh, <laughs> fish district, right? So I, what do you guys suspect is going to happen in this, like, fight, this race of you know, drawing district? I, I, I have no stock or any faith or hope because... In, in, <laughs> Let's in, just start in, with smart. that. I have no faith or hope. <laughs> In an election where we where we had control, where we have control of the House, um, is split right down the middle uh, um, in, in the Senate, and we control the executive branch, and we still can't get shit done. I'm like, so okay, so what? We get some more congressional seats, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How are the Dems really going to put in the work to affect change on a, in a major way, like how the Republicans do? So I'm just like, sure, redraw them and do all the things, but how are we really going to get things done? Because we have not seen to uh, pull through in the past in, in 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 these eight months since 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 the election. Yeah, I mean, just here, you know, thinking about this and hearing what you're saying, Monet, it just occurred to me that I was like, what? A, this is going to take so much time. The amount of things mm-hmm. that need to uh, really be acted upon quickly. As a, yeah. I mean, I'm I agree. This is what the census is for, and then you redraw the map. It is going to take time, and it's going to take fighting, and it's going to take uh, mixed bag. Why don't we just rename? Based on all of this, why don't we just rename America mixed bag, and be done with it? <laughs> Honestly. Honestly. Wouldn't it be so fun if countries just did fun names? <laughs> I feel this as like a different, a new phase uh, in international diplomacy. I love um, that. I love that idea. Well, I, you know, I, like, again, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen because here's the thing. Like, if they do a map that's too crazy, that's so absolutely bonkers, where they're trying to dilute the Democratic vote into a district, then those those maps will be contested. They'll go to court, and it'll hold up the election right. for 2022, right? Yeah. So this is that the, could be a plan. And, and can we all afford to hold up these elections? Blah blah blah. Um, also, I just want to say, uh, you know, it's there's there's some redistricting that is also going to happen in places like New York State, where they're already talking about d- taking out um, a district or two of uh, that are Republican held. So it's not like, you know, Republican um, 
drawing map drawers are the only ones that benefit. Also, fuck Democratic map drawers and fuck Republican map drawers. It should be an independent commission drawing these mm-hmm. maps that has nothing totally. to do with partisan politics. Oh my God. How is this even reasonable ever at all? Nuts. Something okay. else you could go to Canada for. Ophira, I feel like you use Fake the Nation as a Canada propaganda platform. And I want to say, I'm finally platform for Canada. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just want to say, I'll allow it because you're my friend. But you're treading on thin ice and not thin, and too thin to play ice hockey on. All right. Warning received. Um, Warning received. Okay. Well, let's move on to topic number one point five, which is a ridiculous like side topic, which is that with huge swaths of the country being majority minority. By the way, what is that term, majority minority? Because wouldn't that just mean ma- ma- the majority? majority? Yeah, which is like. <laughs> Majority of people are this other thing. Anyways, it's fine. Um, But okay, so I wanted to talk. I I was on MSNBC the other day. It's not a big deal. Sometimes they call me to say things on television. Don't worry about it. But I was on um, um, on that vaunted channel, and uh, and I um, they were we they asked me about this phenomenon of the ethnic aisle at the grocery store, which I thought was really funny, and I hadn't thought of it at all. My whole life, I hadn't really thought of it. It It's just a fixture of life right? The ethnic aisle. Um, and I, I was thinking it's so strange now that we're a majority that, you know, places like California are a majority minority. Uh, what can we say? <laughs> Just, I don't even know what to say for other like non-white majority, whatever. Um, yeah. what is the point? Like, should there be an ethnic food? Like, is it still awesome that we have an ethnic food aisle, right? In grocery stores. Is it like something to be celebrated or should it just be like those foods are mainstream now because come on you guys and like put it in the other aisles where the other foods are. Like where do you stand on this hard hitting issue that I'm bringing up? So, you know, I find it interesting (laughs) that when I go to grocery stores in different cities, the kind of things they put in their ethnic aisle. And this is just a, I remember being just upstate New York. We were just upstate New York and it was around Passover and uh, we wanted, I made some kefilte fish and I wanted horseradish. I wanted horseradish, like the kind that okay. comes in a bottle, yeah. a bottle. Yes. And so I went to the grocery store and I couldn't find it. I don't know. I was looking in near the condiments and then I was looking near spices. And then uh, I said to um, someone that worked there, where would I find horseradish in a bottle? And she said, either try ethnic foods or where the cocktail mix is. And I was like, <laughs> what? Wait, because it goes in Bloody Mary? I guess so. I guess okay, so. Okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? Bloody Mary. That doesn't it. make any sense. And, and so, and I went to their uh, ethnic aisle and I was like, what's in their ethnic aisle? And, you know, it was. Um, like soy sauce was in their ethnic aisle. Sure, yeah. And I just mm-hmm. remember thinking, come, I'll get a soy come sauce on from an ethnic aisle. Really? I'm really? What I mean. No. It, 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 it should be like with the other, like why is soy sauce in the ethnic aisle? It's so right. strange. It's so heavily utilized. You know what's made the crossover though is like hummus. Uh-huh. 
Right. I feel like, oh, I mean, also because it has yeah. to be refrigerated, but yeah. I feel like we used to go from like having a little blip of a hummus option to like, <laughs> there are full refrigerators of hummus. Oh, it's options. crazy. It's like, like fleets, like literally of fleets of hummus. Uh, uh, <laughs> exactly. Every type of hummus imaginable. I know. Yeah. Exactly. And then every, and radish hummus. Even though my country has nothing to do with hummus in particular, I feel a blush of pride every time I walk by one of those overzealous <laughs> hummus offerings. Um, I mean, shouldn't, because, yeah. shouldn't croissants be in the ethnic aisle? I don't Croissant. know. Croissants. Right. The other confusing right. thing from a category, like yeah. uh, categorization thing, is like, we need a Dewey Decimal, this situation, because I feel like it's now getting too complicated. Because, like, you know, I, I don't know where, I feel like there's Goya products in right. regular aisles that are clearly, like, kind of from or geared towards Mexican cuisine, right? Yeah. Yep. I, I was just going to say, I kind of I kind of like the, I'm going to make up a word here, nichosity of the <laughs> of the ethnic aisle because I'm like, I know that I can go to this place and find these things, whereas if if uh, uh, right. Jack, who works at um, a Ralph's or Vaughn's or uh, Key Food, whatever it is, is trying to put the ethnic thing, the, the things from the ethnic aisle and integrate it with the other things, he's going to put it in the wrong place he's gonna end up putting the jerk right. seasoning by the milk and i'll never find it so you know right. what i like yeah. the ethnic aisle sometimes yeah you know i think from a just pure like organizational standpoint where also i have to say the ethnic aisle to me is the fun browsing aisle. i know it's true yeah I'm always right like, what, what's cool here what is that yeah. oh i don't know what that thing is what is it what do you use it for you know what i mean for sure. so folks i feel like we've sort of come down on keep the ethnic aisle um <laughs> maybe i don't know uh, uh but make it um I, bigger. I would like make it bigger oh yeah I'll, I'll take a make it bigger and i'll take a make it like just fun like the most fun place in the supermarket <laughs> well maybe when white people become a minority the ethnic aisle will be for mayonnaise hamburgers yes <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 that's what that's uh hamburger that's helper, mayonnaise. The that's the follow-up to your original joke <laughs> folks we're seeing ophira we're build her set for the anthropology lecture circuit it's really fantastic anthropology. um okay we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back we will talk about other things Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Ugh, folks. I mean, first of all, it's a personal finance app that helps you find and cancel unwanted subscriptions, and it monitors your spending, and it helps you lower your bills. But that's headline news, okay? What it has done for me, it has reminded me of the absolute ridiculous world of things that I have subscribed to. And why have I subscribed to them? Why have I wasted my money in such a way? And thank God that Rocket Money has come around to show me that, hey, Nagin, you don't need a subscription to an obscure Brazilian film archive, do you? One of the things that it found for me once oh, that was really upsetting was that I was paying for a subscription twice. It was an educational app. And you think an educational app isn't going to do you that way, but you know what? It might. It also lowered a bill for me. Lord, my cable bill. Yes, I still pay for cable. Don't worry about it. And then the other great thing is when you are trying to get rid of these subscriptions, you just do it with one tap. You don't have to like call customer service or whatever, all the other miserable things that you do when you're trying to get rid of a subscription. It just does it with one tap. That's one of the actually best things about it because I've had such a hard time 
in the past trying to unsubscribe from something myself. It lowers your bills for you by up to 20%. 5 million users. It has helped save an average of $720 a year, which makes sense for me because that's about as much as, that's about what I was saving. And with over $550 million in canceled subscriptions, that's what they've achieved. I mean, you've heard me talk about Rocket Money before. It has really improved my relationship with subscriptions. I'm going to just tell you that much. So stop wasting your money on things that you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Guys, cancel those unwanted subscriptions at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Today's show is sponsored by Factor. You guys, I totally was a factor person before they even sponsored this show because they're so delicious and when you're constantly busy and just need a few nights of meals a week to just not have to cook, like factor's incredible. And then for me, here's the other incredible thing is they have these delicious keto meals because I try not to eat carbs and they have these wonderful keto meals and me and my husband have just been rejoicing in factor meals. So here's their deal. They're ready to eat. They're fresh. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved. They're also ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week. And like I said, I had like the keto stuff, but they also have calorie smart. They have protein plus. There's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Um, I had one of their little green juice shots that I really enjoyed. And oh my God, the, I just remember having this one meal. It was like grilled chicken situation with like a, I want to say like a creamed spinach situation. Oh, so delicious. I remember also having like a cauliflower mash situation. I mean, they really make the veggies taste delicious. This ain't your grandma's veggies. Mm -mm. They make them fun and delicious and not at all like, oh, I'm eating healthy. It's not like that. It's like, this is fun and delicious. There's no prep, no mess. Like I said, they're ready to heat. And ready to eat. So you don't have to prep. You don't have to buy stuff, ingredients, and da-da-da. I mean, if also, if you're like me and you're just like not terribly confident in the kitchen, you're going to love Factor. All right. So here is what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com. All right. Head to factormeals.com slash fakethenation50 and use the code fakethenation50 to get 50% off. That's code fake the nation 50 at factormeals.com slash fake the nation 50 to get 50% off. It is such a good deal. And we are back. And um, before we get into it, I wanted to thank the people of Fake the Nation for posting your Apple podcast reviews. Um, Cynthia in NYC writes, it's a regular in my podcast rotation. Love this podcast. Especially enjoyed Marcella Arguella on the latest episode. You're not the only one. I got a lot of positive responses about her and I loved her. So we're definitely going to have her back. Um, I also want to thank Olive Juice 2012 who says, Nagin is getting me through it all. Hilarious and fantastic progressive discussion. I love the show and everything it brings. 
earrings. Oh my God, my heart swoons. I'm so grateful uh, for you guys posting these Apple Podcast reviews. Uh, please, uh, if you have a minute, go review us on Apple Podcasts because it really, really does help people find the show. Uh, and it just also get, makes me blush and makes me really happy. So um, please uh, take a second to give us your stars and your, uh, you know, whatever emoji you want to say. If you can incorporate the poop emoji in a positive way, <laughs> I'd be so thrilled. You know what I mean? Because then I'd know it's just like a, a me, me and you inside poop emoji joke. Um, <laughs> all right. Let us move on to the next topic. So we weren't planning on topic talking about this, but I do want to get a quick sense from you guys. Um, Governor Greg Abbott, because this was announced yesterday before, and we're, t- we're taping here on a Wednesday. Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, uh, came down with the coronavirus. Um, and he's fully vaccinated. He's showing no symptoms, but he is also getting the mononuclear antibody therapy Regeneron um, because I guess he's scared. I don't know. Uh, whatever. But I don't know. Is it uncharitable that my first instinct, whenever these people who are like very anti-mask get coronavirus? No. Oh, absolutely. I just I laugh. Love it. It's just I, I laugh. I mean, uh, this is what, what we've think? honestly. This is what we've been reduced to. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I think a different, a different Ophira is a more generous Ophira than an Ophira <laughs> that has been through uh, eighteen months of a global pandemic and has yeah. uh, witnessed people being sick and dying, uh, yeah. and then a whole bunch of people going, "No, that's not true." Like you just uh, that it is. I mean, you just go, well, I guess it has to happen to you. It's, I mean, mm-hmm. I hate that that's my human response, but that is my human response. So when someone, someone that people are listening to and making terrible global health decisions based on, and by, and by the way, he was vaccinated. Also, I would just like, you know, all of these people are vaccinated. All of yeah. these people are vaccinated, yet they're spewing still this anti-science bullshit yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and the fact that there was a breakthrough because obviously um that it well a that is possible and the anti-masking is just like yeah when is it i mean i i never want to be like does someone does someone you know have to die mm-hmm. for you right. to just think yeah. about this right and and he must be kind of consistently p- putting himself indoors yeah. with other unvaccinated people who he then is like, yeah, don't get the vaccine. I don't care. We have the lowest vaccination rate in the country. It's cool. Yeah. Like he's basically setting himself up, even though the chances are still, still very low to get a breakthrough infection. He's just consistently setting himself up to be one of the very low odd people mm-hmm. because he is so anti, anti it all, you know, uh, what do you think Monet? I think that when you are um, a person like this governor and you are there, you are the sole reason why tens, tens of thousands of people have not gotten the vaccine. When you have when you when you are the catalyst for all of that, you reap what you sow and you get what you get and you don't get upset. So you have this thing. And I, I mean, do I feel guilty that I that I feel happy because I'm, 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 I'm not going to lie. I feel happy this happened to him. Do I feel guilty about that? Absolutely not. And I think and I hope that from that, that his constituents or whoever it is who is still listening to him uh, uh, realize that they need to get the vaccine, that this was hopefully a wake-up call in some capacity to those to those folks. But then, you know, this thing happens where I feel like 
uh, people, people that I know who are anti-vaxxers and they have their, their whole host of reasons are going yeah. to look at that and go, we'll see there are therapeutic, yeah. um, there are, there's medicine and, and therapeutic, um, things that work to, um, help you recover from COVID if you get it. So what's, yeah. right. what's the problem? And right. also the flip side, because I, because I, I have anti, anti-vaxxer friends too, and it literally boggles my mind. Like I literally feel like, Ugh. but to, and I know they're going to be like, well, you see, he got the vaccine and he still got it. And so I, there are, exactly. are going to be a host of things of reasons why people won't but get the, it now. But because the thing I hate about that, he got the vaccine, he still got it argument is that, yeah, he's not going to go to the hospital. You yeah. know what right. I mean? He got the vaccine. He got, he was, he, you know, even though the odds are against you getting it, he still managed to get it. And he's not going to, nothing's going to happen. It's like, that's what the vaccine does. It means you won't die. That's what it does. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so that argument makes me insane. Same. Um. All right, folks, let me know uh, how did you react when you heard about the news and are we uncharitable monsters um, <laughs> <laughs> or are we just regular people? Survey says, it? <laughs> number one answer, yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, as long as, right, you know, in a, in a world where everyone just gets to go, well, I'm right, sometimes I, we get to go, we're, we're right too, okay? But we're right this time. <laughs> Um, so says Ophira, uncharitable monster. Um, okay, let us move on to our next topic. Um, okay, so this one, I'm, I'm going to lean heavily on you, Monet, because, uh, so the, the black community and hip hop, um, have evolved when it comes yeah. to homophobia and transphobia. Um, but to what extent? I mean, I feel like we've seen some changes. You're in the music world. You have a new single out, which we're going to play at the end of the episode. And I love when we get to do that when we have mu- musicians on. Um, and you've been really vocal about trans and, and queer um, mm-hmm. activism. Um, so, you know, where is uh, homophobia in the hip hop and pop music world now? You know, I think there is still so, so, so much work to be done. Yes, there has been some progress, but I think that um, lots of Black folks and Black households and Black families, I think a lot of this stems, and I've said this so many times publicly, but it stems from religion. It's, uh, uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people in the Black community are still are still under the chains of religion and how religion makes them think about 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 um, um, gay folk, lesbians, trans folk, non-binary folk, they they are still under that, and they and and if they cannot break those shackles of that, and it's so sad to see. And you know, I'm someone I love hip hop music, and I love R and B music, and I love reggae. And honestly, that's why I put out the single I did because growing up, um, I I grew up in in St. Lucia, and um, reggae and dance hall, those are like really big parts of like um, our family dynamic is what we listen to at, at at family gatherings at whatever it was. And I remember one day I was like 12 or 13. I was listening to a to a to a Beanie Man song and the, and the lyrics were literally like, take that gay person, kill them, shoot them. He can't be with us. Like it, it was like, you know, like those things were in the lyrics. I remember seeing like, oh, my God. And so when it fast forward to 2020 and we're recording this song, I was like, you know, what? I want to make a gay ass fucking reggae song and just be like, you don't get to ruin my experience from such a beautiful uh, uh, art form because of your homophobia and your transphobia and all that stuff. So I, I, I just, I just love when I see queer folk making 
hip hop and reggae and being like, just because you want to muddy the waters with these with these stupid sentiments and all this uh, deleterious thought and, 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 and all that garbage, that, that doesn't mean that I can't celebrate this and make it my own for my community. So there's so much, still, still so much work to be done, but I think that the more that we show up and the more that we say, hey, we're not going, and the more that we make Black folk understand that when we say Black Lives Matter, we're talking about all Black lives, which are, which are trans, which are gay, which are lesbian, which are non-binary, which are women, which are, like, all of us. So I think it's just trying to hammer that point home, and I don't know what the course is to make to make people understand but I think the more that we don't disappear and the more that we don't fade away and the more that we don't wave the white flag and be like, okay, we're sorry, the more that we're like, no, we're here. We're not going anywhere is hopefully it will start to hit harder at some point. Yeah, I mean, part of the reason this is coming up is because um, there was there's this like the baby controversy oh, um, where he basically said at uh, some kind of festival in Miami, mm-hmm. um, he, you know, he had this weird moment where he was telling people in the audience to like light their cell phones if they didn't show up with HIV and AIDS, and yep. that they would die within two or three weeks if they had that, and. You know, just like it was just really, first of all, incorrect, like wildly incorrect information, misinformation, right? Yeah. And then, and it was just so homophobic. And then came this sort of, the the da baby and then the anti da baby camps of mm-hmm. thought, um, and there were some people that said uh, the like the argument in defense of da baby is if like the, I think T I was the first one to say this. He said if you're allowed, you know, basically I'm paraphrasing, but like if you're allowed to be um, proud of being queer, I'm allowed to have opinions about it. Um, and what I mean, what do you think of that kind of uh, argument? Which I think. You know, at first glance, you're like, well, that's true. If someone's allowed to say this, then another person's allowed to say that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, what do you yeah. say to that argument, to that line of thinking? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm like, I you, listen, people are allowed to say and do whatever they want. But then also you have to accept the repercussions and what happens after that. So the baby can say he's T.I.'s right. He can say whatever he wants. But the general public, we absolutely have the right to boycott him, to not want him to perform at festivals, to 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 stop his bag so to, to stop him from making money from doing these things to, for us to support him as you know of, of, of our free will so yeah he can say what he wants but he can't be mad at this blowback and the reaction that he is getting from a large segment of his of the hip-hop community which I mean I'm so pleased to see so many artists speaking out and stepping and, and you know and being like no this is this is bad behavior and he deserves it because when it when it when it when it like first happened the first day I was like girl no one's gonna care. So, like, one person's gonna say something, and then no, and then it's 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 gonna be like nothing happens. So, I'm really surprised that it's sticking, and people yeah. are still talking about it and really um, holding him accountable. And and um, and and not just his, not just the homophobic stuff, but the misogyny. There, there was that video that came out. He was walking right. on on a stage. He was walking to perform on some stage, and a female fan who obviously loves him, like you know, she's you see like one of your big favorite artists coming down. So she pulls out her phone to like take a video. And he literally punches her in the side of her head. Like oh it's it, like this is he's just a horrible, disgusting person. And so I hope that 
I hope he does not have a career after this, like, at all. I hope that his biggest thing is performing for twos and threes of people in South Dakota someday. That's that's that, that's my hope. Or the villages in Florida. Maybe he can perform there. That would be great. <laughs> right. The oh, baby yeah. at the villages. <laughs> Dinner theater with the baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he'll fit in so well. Um, so if you're like, you're a mom, right? And the, the funny thing is like, some of this stuff reminds me of the lesson, you know, lessons that we teach our kids of like, don't say shitty things, right? It just feels so ridiculous uh, in that way. Like, you know, the argument of, well, you could say, well, then I could say whatever. I like, know. what would you right? say if it was your uh, kid saying this shit, right? Well, and just like hate is hate. I mean, yes, you can say yeah. whatever you want, but I think we, uh, I think we can classify what is being said and hate, especially against uh, a marginalized community or a minority or or any any um, underrepresented voices. That is that is a very specific kind of hate, and that is what we are, in theory, all working against right now. We are like, we are trying to bring up these voices, greater vis visibility, greater power. So then it becomes very reactionary and you just see basically the worst side of the power structures in society. That, I yeah. mean, that's what I hear. I just fear yeah. masculine fear. That's what I hear. It's funny too, because I'm also always like... You literally didn't have to say any of that oh in goodness. your live stage show in Miami. Uh, like, what? Did you just want people to light up their cell phones? There's so many non-homophobic ways to right. get people to light up their cell phones. Yeah, like, like a better one would be like, who, who, who didn't get their stimulus check? The, the entire arena would be lit up, okay? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Who's unemployed? <laughs> <laughs> it's just like if you remove this one area of discourse homophobia and transphobia this one area of discourse from your songwriting and your stage act like I will give you 700 other things you could talk about like you know I don't why do you even lean on it it's like it's insane to me that he, people Crazy. even fall back on it it's just so bizarre to me but so Mona, I have a, so my, my final question to you about this is um, I, we read a piece in Vulture by Craig Jenkins um, in which he writes that you know for example the rapper Young Ma is appreciated because straight male hip hop fans see themselves in her verses about romancing women and there's yeah. enough ambiguity Ambiguity and fluidity in Tyler the Creator's music, for example, to give a listener a plausible deniability about whether the song they're listening to is about falling in love with a man or not. So, mm -hmm. I guess my question to you: Do you feel like you you have to walk a tightrope about being explicit when it comes, you know, the way that Young Mom may seem or Tyler the Creator may seem to some audiences as not being explicit or having an acceptable level of gayness or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, no, I I go full throttle. I'm like, there's so much. There's there is so much of that. There is, I, I feel like there there is a lot of ambiguity and there is a lot of uh, uh, heterosexual and heteronormative uh, music. So I'm like, I want to make gay ass queer music for those people and just like. Queer folk bop to heteronormative shit all the time. Why can't they bop to queer shit? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not... Just because you are singing the song about me kissing another guy doesn't mean you're doing it. You're just, you're just celebrating the song and the love and the romance. So just like 
queer people have had to do it for so long. Why can't hetero people do it do it for us? Oh, but Monet, I heard that if you sing along to a gay song, you become gay. Oh, fingers well, that's crossed. the that's secret. The oh my God, you just ruined it. Now they know, Mickey. Now, now they'll know. Oh. Wouldn't that be great? It, Wouldn't that it be would great? Be, it, it, I know that was the last, I said that was the last thing, but here's the last thing, actually. Um, and, and Ophira, this again goes back to like being a mom. When Little Nas X came out with his industry baby, so- baby song, mm-hmm. um, in the video, uh, I be I have to mention Little Nas X. Um, people kept saying because it was like a little. I mean, I don't know, whatever explicit about being gay or something. Um, which I I feel ridiculous even saying that, but. A lot of people are like, well, this isn't appropriate for kids. Like, you can be gay all you want. But this isn't appropriate for kids. What do you think of that <laughs> argument? Which is really common. I hear, you know, you, I feel like I grew I, I remember in the 90s when people, when I was a kid and people were talking about like this, you know, these rap songs aren't appropriate for kids. Uh, yeah, the ones because, with the hate would be the ones that are not appropriate for kids. Uh, no, right, 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 yeah, right, that right, would, right. That would right, be the ones. Yeah, yeah. The ones of people like celebrating the, who they are. Those are the ones that are appropriate for your children to watch. Right. And love. It's, yeah. it's also just like, do we expect rappers to be writing for Sesame Street? I don't also, understand. Like, what is the expectation here? You know what's not appropriate to kids? Your lack of parenting right now. That's what's not Like, get involved. Watch it together and have a discussion, but don't be like, <gasps> yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. This was, it, that is obviously that music is not being uh, pumped out specifically to nine-year-olds. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Um, Any reason that just shows you how how uh, gra- like just grappling grappling with these arguments for something yeah. I know it's not appropriate to children. <laughs> My goodness. Um, okay, folks, that is the end of the show. Uh, what I would love for the people of Fake the Nation is to be able to follow you and all of the wonderful things you do. Ophira, where do they do that? You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Ophira. E. That's O P H I R A E. And then my website is just my full name, OphiraEisenberg.com, and it has tour dates and all all the stuff. All the stuff. So many tour dates, so many opportunities to see this woman perform live. You absolutely should. She just completely brings down the house every time. I've never seen her not. Uh, so you're up, you're you're in for a massive treat if you uh, if you go out and see a live show. Um, Monet Exchange, where do people yeah. find you? People can find me on all socials at Monet Exchange. That's M-O-N-E-T, the letter X, and the word change on Instagram, on uh, Twitter. I've recently upped my TikTok game, um, and it's pretty fierce, I must say. Uh, So, yeah, and uh, also Sibling Rivalry Podcast. Uh, You can look that up and to hear me and Bob the Dry Queen talk about things for everything from black lives matter to why is the red kool-aid not the same flavor as it was 20 years ago we talk about all the things so, so <laughs> burning burning issues <laughs> um, and and um mona can you tell us the song that we're gonna uh end oh, the yes. show on Yes, my it's my it is my summer single called Love Like This. The video is very sexy. Just ask just ask Nagin, she agrees. Oh God, so and um, <laughs> it's just giving you it's just a very queer, gay, reggae R and B vibe and you can listen to it while you're cleaning the house. You can listen to it while you and your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your partner are just at home and having a little sl- whatever it is. It's the perfect song for the for, to set the perfect vibe. 
Oh my God, it's so it's such a summer jam. I I, I love it so much, uh, folks. You know where to find me and all the things that I do. Um, my column um, has a new piece out in the Progressive magazine. It's about my inability to use chopsticks. It is ridiculous, um, and I would love to thank everyone who makes this show possible. That's our producer Julia Linden, our sound engineer Stephanie Aguilar, all the wonderful people at Headgum. The theme music is written by Gabby Alter. Um, again, don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts because it helps people find it. It helps uh, the algorithm thingy that makes podcasting world happen. It helps that. So please uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And you can email us at fakethenation at headgum.com if you have any questions or comments or suggestions for topics or guests. You can join the Patreon for bonus content and so much more. Again, that's at uh, patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And We'll be back in your earballs next week. Destination my hand Palm trees and white sand Baby rub up on me skin to skin Let it be the sweetest sin Come now I need a little taste I'll supply my darling That was a HeadGum Podcast <laughs> <laughs>